Let us pray. Holy Father, once again we come before you and asking that you would bless us in our service, bless us to be clear and concise in what we say that it might be understandable uh, and edifying to the souls of thy people. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for watching over and keeping us by your power. We thank you for the rain that we're getting. Pray that you will continue to water the earth as is needed and that it might not be too much, but you know exactly what is needed and we leave that into your care and keeping. Pray that you grant us traveling mercies as we break later and head home. In Jesus' name, amen. We are still looking at 1 John 3, uh, first few verses here, uh, still, uh, really still in uh, verse 1. And, uh, but hopefully we'll slide on into verse 2 here shortly. But, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. And we left off with that uh, portion of the verse this morning uh, getting ready to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 to show uh, more precisely the fact that the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know Him. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we see here that in uh, starting in verse... Six and many other verses could be used, but this is kindly a comprehensive passage. Howbeit we speak the wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. As it is written, this is a quote from Isaiah 64, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we, now notice, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given us to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet 
he himself is judged of no man, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. So if this passage teaches nothing else, it teaches this, that there is a distinction between the natural man and the spiritual man. And the natural man does not and cannot understand the things of God. He doesn't have the will to, nor does he have the ability to. Jesus said uh, to the Pharisees, Ye cannot come unto me. And in another place he said, Ye will not uh, come to me. And so they not only have the don't have the ability they don't even have the will to even if they wanted to they wouldn't have the ability and if they had the ability they don't have the will and this is the reason that the world does not know us if you go out here and try to talk to people uh, about the things of God, they think you are a fool. They think you are a fool. And it is amazing, it is amazing when you talk to some folks that they don't, even, they don't have the slightest clue of what you're talking about. And if they did, they would kill you like they did the Lord Jesus Christ if they could get away with it. Jesus told the disciples in John 15, I believe, He said, the world, the world, well, I almost quoted it and then it went out the window. Let me see if I can find it. John fifteen eighteen, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The world hateth you. The reason, beloved, that anybody hates what you believe provided you're believing what the Scriptures teach, obviously. But the reason the world hates you is because they don't know Christ. They're not of God. But you are, little children. You are now the sons of God. And therefore we realize that there is a warfare that is continually going on in this world. This is why that you can have family members that while they are, well, let's say while they're children and are uh, kindly left to the understanding of what they're taught, uh, you may think they're some of the sweetest things in the world uh, around you, but when they get older and realize what the Bible's really teaching, they may come to hate you. And grandchildren, you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And that husband will be against wife, wife against husband, father against son, son against father, daughters against mothers, and just go on and, and, and go on in that way. You've got neighbors and people that you are acquainted with that you may have some uh, 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 connection with, and you know you think, well, they're just the the greatest thing. You know, they're real good neighbors, and uh, they they love the same the Lord you do, and, and so on and so forth. But when you start talking about election and predestination, they get so mad and red in the face and almost kill you. I've told you this illustration before, not illustration, this incident. Uh, 
over about 50 years ago, I was sitting in the office and studying, and a young man walked into the office, and I uh, started talking to him, and I asked if I could help him in some way. He said, well, I've always heard about Primitive Baptist. I just thought I'd call and see, uh, stop by and, and talk to you and see what y'all believe. <clears throat> and I started <clears throat> talking to him about our historic Baptist positions and how that we, excuse me, we continue to hold to what the uh, the our Baptist forefathers held to <clears throat> down through the years and how we identified with the uh, London Confession of Faith and and then he wanted to know what the, why there was a difference among some of the Baptists and I talked about the split of the old school and the new school Baptists in the 1828 to 1830s and uh and I could see that he was becoming more agitated. And when I started talking to him about the doctrines of grace and election and predestination, uh, he was really getting aggravated. And finally, uh, he just kept saying, well, that's your opinion, your opinion, your opinion. And so I just turned over to Romans 9 and started reading. And after a while, he got mad. And uh, he said, that's your interpretation. I said, if you'll notice, I haven't interpreted this chapter at all. I've just been reading the chapter. That's all I'm doing, just reading the chapter. And he slammed his fist down on my desk. He said, I won't have any part of a God like that. Well, you know, everything was all right until it got down to the the... the to the dividing line. And so, and he stormed out of the office and naturally I was somewhat aggravated myself <laughs> at all of that and uh, finally I cooled down and uh, started praying for the young man and hopefully that someday God might take those very truths and, and convert him to the truth of the Scriptures. But you can just read the Bible to some folks and then they'll get mad and, uh, and things of that nature. And, and uh, you know, uh, and people even say, well, the predestination is not even in the Bible. Well, that's because for us, evidently they haven't read the Bible because the Word is there and, and election is there and and Christ said, I die for the sheep. I don't die for the goats. And things of that nature. And so you can see that uh, you don't always have to get out there in uh, the world of paganism and, and ungodliness. Just even in the world of so-called Christianity. Sometimes people will get mad at you and, and hate you for the truth. And you can't do anything about it unless you have a, a, a hateful attitude when you talk to them. Of course, we don't want to do that. I've never wanted to. Uh, I've never wanted to make anybody mad. I'd like for them. I would like for everybody to believe what I believe. And if I'm wrong, I would like for God to show me where I'm wrong. And bless me to repent so I could agree with those that are right. But the world knoweth us not. The world knows us not. Now I'm not going to get off into a study of the word world. Uh, obviously, obviously, uh, if you, uh, the context, tells what the word world means. Sometimes it's talking about just the, the known world at that time, which normally usually is a different word from the word cosmos. But sometimes it's talking about the world of the elect, sometimes the world of believers, sometimes the world of unbelievers, sometimes it's just talking about the whole uh, philosophy of, 
uh, that's contrary to God, and so on. Here, uh, it's just talking about that which is against God. The whole, the whole, uh, how shall I put it? The whole economy of that which is contrary to the Scriptures. And when you look at educational system, the educational system, essentially that is in our government particularly, whether it be just the basic education of so-called grammar and literature and science and things of that nature, or whether you are talking about the political realm or whether you're talking about the realm of economy, you find that most of what is taught in any of those uh, disciplines, and I'm talking about just basic education or poli- uh, uh, e- economics or politics or even religion, the basics is just simply contrary to what is taught in the Scriptures. The Scriptures teach that there is an order of authority. Whether it's in government, that we're to be subject to the government as long as it's not trying to get us to do something contrary to Scripture. You have a head of the household that's in the father coming down to the mother and then to the children and lastly to the servants. But in this day, you're taught that everybody's equal. But they don't believe that. The people that cry the loudest for equality don't even believe in equality. You know why? Because they they cry for equality, but if you don't agree with them, then they're ready to kill you. They're ready to kill you. I mean, some of the things I see on the news, uh, it, it, it's just insane that people would even uh, say such things. Somebody commits a crime, and the reason somebody commits a crime is simply because we've got white people alive. But God made white people. God made brown people. He made red people. He made black people. And He made all other kinds of peoples. But it's not the color of anybody's skin because you've got sinners in every one of those races. It's not the skin color. The problem is the soul. And when a person commits a crime and does wrong, he's responsible for his sin. But today, people have said, well, the reason I'm this way is because you made me this way. But I said all of that to say the reason that you have this difference is because people 
don't know what the Bible teaches. They don't care what the Bible teaches. And if they are told what the Bible teach and they don't like it, they won't do it. I know because I've been there. I can remember a time in my youth when I really didn't care what the Bible had to say. I cared what mom and daddy had to say. I cared what neighbors thought. Sometimes I cared what my peers thought, and sometimes I didn't care what my peers thought. But basically I wanted to get along with all of my peers. And I, well, I'm talking about uh, the boys and girls that were my age and things of that nature. But even among my peers, in the midst of some of my own sinfulness, we would argue about things in the Bible. And if they, I remember one of the greatest discussions I ever had with some of my uh, comrades, if you want to call it that, uh, some of my partners in crime would be the better uh, term. Uh, we had an argument over, uh, over the doctrine of election, but we never argued about our sins. We were in harmony with our sins. You see, the world knows us not. It doesn't know us. Now I've heard probably every one of us in this room say at one time or the other, I try not to say it so much anymore, but people will say, uh, "Well, I just, you know, it's just so plain. Why don't what don't they know what the Bible says?" Well, no, they don't. They don't, and they are so blinded. Most of the, in many cases, willfully blinded, but they are so blinded in in their sins. They think by just thinking they can change their gender from a male to a female or a female to a male. Doesn't even make sense. But believe it and know it, the reason the world doesn't know you is because you are a son of God. And if you were not a son of God, and if God had not opened your eyes, you'd be just like them. Oh, I'd never, I'd never believe what they, some of them believe. You may or you may not. If God left you to yourself, you would do anything. Well, let's slide on into verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. By the way, the word, uh, oh, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know. This word know here is that I do, that highest part. We know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. 
there's a lot of things about the coming of the Lord that we don't know. And most likely, more questions have been asked about what we don't know and can't know until then than otherwise. For example, uh, when the Lord uh, comes back, uh, will we know each other? How old are we going to be? Are infants that die, elect infants that die in infancy, are they going to look like an infant or are they going to be a grown-up? If they are, about how, what kind of age? And all kinds of questions like that are asked that the Bible doesn't even talk about. We don't know what we shall be. We know that we will be like Him. How is Christ? Well, He was this way on earth, but He's that way now. He was sinless. We're going to be sinless. Can you imagine that? We're going to be heirs and joint heirs with Him. We're going to be incorruptible. We're going to be immortal. We're going to be sinless. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Would you like to see the Lord as He is right now? You're going to someday. Beloved, that's, that's not a fairy tale. That's a truth. We're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. The same One that walked on this earth after His resurrection for 40 days. And He went up into heaven. You say, where is heaven? I mean, they've got telescopes. They've sent spaceships out into space. They've been out there for 15 or 20 years, still sending back information. That's astounding, isn't it? But they haven't identified heaven, have they? <laughs> you say, where is it? Is it further out than that? And I don't know. It might be closer than that as far as I know. And God's got it hid that you can't even see it. You know, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I'm just... I'm just shooting off the top of my head. But I do know this. Paul said, absent from the body, present with the Lord. You say, well, if it's the other side of Pluto, boy, you're traveling mighty fast to be absent from the body and immediately present with the Lord. I mean, that's more than any... Uh, beam me up, Scotty, isn't it? But I can tell you this, that wherever it is, there is the man Christ Jesus. He's there He's at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for us. And just as He is right now, we're going to see Him just as He is. No change. No metamorphosis. No undergoing some special work of God, we're going to see Him. We're going to see Him as He is.
And this is not a guess. It says, we know we shall see Him. We know that when He shall appear. We not only know that we shall see Him, we know that He shall appear. Is the Lord coming back to this earth? Yes. When? I don't know. But He's coming back. I believe He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. It said there in Acts chapter 1, this same Jesus shall so come again in like manner. He went away bodily. He's going to come back bodily. He went away in His flesh. He's going to come back in His flesh. He went away in the clouds. He's going to come back to the clouds. I think He left the Mount... Well, we know He left the Mount of Olives. I think He's coming back to the Mount of Olives according to prophecy. And I think we, I think if I'm dead, I'm going to come out of the grave and I'm going to meet Him in the air and come back with Him to the earth. I believe that I'm going to stand on this earth in a glorified body just like our Lord did. I believe that also this earth will be burned up. You say, well, I guess we'll have to be off the earth for that to happen. I suppose so. <laughs> Bible doesn't say. It says we'll meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that word meet the Lord, that word meet is only used four times in Scripture. It's used twice when it talks about the virgin going out to meet the bridegroom. And they didn't go out and meet the bridegroom outside the city and stay there. They came back on in to the city with him. I forgot where the other one is. But then in First Thessalonians, talking about meet the Lord in the air. But all time, all four times, those word that word meet it means to go out and meet and then come on in with. Oh, the other one is in Acts where the saints went out to meet Paul at Happy Forum. They didn't go out there and stay with Paul at Happy Forum. They went out and met him and then went on in back into the city with Paul when he went back to Rome. So if the word meet in 1 Thessalonians 4 means something different, then you'll have to say, well, three times it means one thing and another time it means something else. When it could it just easily mean it the same all four times, which I believe it is. But there's differences in opinions of that. But that's what I believe. I believe it means the same thing in all four places. And we'll be with Him. But you know how He's going to be? He's going to be as He is. going to be the same Jesus in the same body with the same power with the same authority because he's going to cast the wicked into hell I mean he's going to manifest that without question that he's Lord of Lord and King of Kings and we're going to see it we're going to see him as he is are you looking forward to seeing Him? From time to time, we have company. Friends or loved ones come. What do we normally do? Clean the house up a little better. Get things organized. Look forward to their coming. When I lived on a gravel road, we had some kin folks that were coming to visit us, particularly if some of our kin folks from St. Louis were coming. 
And they said they're going to be there at about a certain time. Every time a car came down a road and crunching the gravel, I'd run see, is that them coming? Is that them coming? Looking forward to their coming. Look up, beloved, your redemption draweth nigh. He's coming. He's coming. And he's going to be here one day. It's real. It's real. Just as real as the pew in which you're sitting. In fact, it's more real because that pew's going to burn up. <laughs> we shall see him as he is. You see. He didn't undergo a metamorphosis when He went back to glory. He went back to glory in His, in his resurrected body. And we're going to see Him. Not a phantom. Not some ghost-like creature. We shall see Him. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. For our conversation, that means our way of life, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. But beloved, our vile body, our sinful body is going to be changed and made like unto the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't have the deity that He has, but we'll have that glorified humanity. Our vile bodies or body will be fashioned like His glorious body. Do you believe that? It's kindly hard, isn't it? But our vile bodies we shall see Him as He is. While now, children of God, it does not yet appear what we shall be. It doesn't appear yet. We are the children of God now, but it doesn't appear yet what we shall be. In other words, we, we, we haven't seen it. I haven't seen the resurrected body of Christ. Have you? There is that abiding in the child of grace that constantly affirms that He will not only be with the Lord, but He will be like Him. Like Him. Obviously, there will be some limitations because He's the God-man. But we shall be like Him in His humanity. We won't be like Him as God, as we said, 
but we will be like Him as the glorified human Jesus. Now, I don't believe that we will be like Him as a twin is like His companion. You know, two twins, they look like each other. I don't think we'll look, I don't think we'll be like Him in the fact that everybody looked like Jesus in their physical appearance if you know what I'm saying. You know, we uh, artists have made their renditions of what Jesus looks like, and usually it's this effeminate, long-haired feller. Well, uh, Jesus wasn't effeminate, and He didn't have long hair. And we can see, prove that by Scripture. So we're not going to be looking like... Um, I mean... If, if someone did actually uh, paint an accurate picture of Him, by the way, in the Roman catacombs, the pictures of Jesus that were painted in there, His hairstyle was like the modern Roman hairstyle of that day. It wasn't long flowing hair that flowed down like it. We don't know what He, we don't know what he looked like from that standpoint. And I don't believe we'll be a carbon copy, you know, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ in that sense. But we'll be like Him in glory. We'll be joint heirs with Him. We'll be like Him in, in sinlessness. We'll have His righteousness. Beloved, it's just enough that we will be sinless, immortal, honorable, satisfied, content, and ever present with Him. Can you think? I mean, think about that. Immortal, honorable. Sinless, satisfied. Content. And beloved, you're going to be in that condition without end. Forever. 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 Do you believe that? That's your hope. See, hope is not, biblical hope is not what we sometimes use the word for wishing something that will happen that probably never will. You know, for some folks uh, that the the Chicago Cubs will win the World Series five years in a row. You know, I said, well, I hope that happens, but you don't expect it to happen. <laughs> you know, or come to see me sometime. Well, I hope so, which means, well, uh, you know, I, I, that'd be good. I'd probably never get around to it. But biblical hope is a confident expectation that what is going to happen will happen. And every man that has this hope, what hope? That we're going to be like Him. And we're going to see Him as He is. Everybody that really, 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 really believes that and is expecting that, what will they do? What does it say in that verse? They will purify themselves as He is pure. If a person is not 
purifying himself. He doesn't have the proper view of the resurrection and being with Christ in glory. Notice, it doesn't say every man that hath this hope ought to purify himself. See, that's how we preachers are preaching a lot of times. Well, if you do this, this is what you ought to do. You ought to do this. You ought to do that. No, John said, you are doing it. Every man that hath this hope purifies himself even as Christ is pure. You see, true biblical doctrine of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ produces holiness. John doesn't leave anything to be questioned on this. You say, well, that's just your idea. That's what it says. Any fourth grader can read that. Every man that has this hope. What hope? What is said in verse 2. Every man that has this hope purifies himself. Even as he, Christ, is pure. People that live in the world and of the world and sin like the world and act like the world and continue to follow after the world, they're not purifying themselves as Christ is pure. They're fooling themselves. Obviously, we can't do it by ourselves because John 15.5 says, without me you can do nothing. But true biblical hope stirs up holiness. Philippians 2.12 and 13, we quoted it this morning. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do. As He is pure refers to the purity of Christ with regard to His humanity. Well, how pure is Christ's humanity? Sinless! We will never have the divine purity of the second person of the Trinity as God. But we will have that human purity. And as we contemplate and study the Lord Jesus Christ, we will grow in this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18. But we all with open face Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Without going into a long detail on that, it's just simply saying, as you read and study the Scriptures, that is, beholding Christ in this glass, as you're beholding the glory of the Lord in the reading and the studying of the Word, you are changed into the same image. That, and you're changed into the glory of the Lord by the Spirit of the Lord. 
If you're reading and studying the Scriptures and you're not growing spiritually and growing in holiness, there's something wrong. And it's not with the Scriptures. And it's not with God. I'll leave you with 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, well, I'd need to go back and read the chapters before that, but we don't have time for that now. But having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Well, I'll close out in reading these three verses again. Lord willing, we'll go on to verse 4 next time. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, it, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that has this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. Strong language, is it not? Nevertheless, true. Let's pray. Help us, Father, to hide these words in our heart and bring them to our remembrance and help us to walk in holiness as You would have us to because You have told us without holiness no man shall see the Lord. We look forward to seeing Him, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen.